Welcome to the Homestead Life Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph. Let's get growing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Homestead Life with Joseph. I am here today with Lynn of the Lynn Homestead Project. I met her on Twitter. I've enjoyed her content and uh, a young lady on a journey. And we are here to uh, to hear about her ideas, her plans, and uh, anything else she wants to reveal to us. Lynn, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. Lynn, if you want to start off and tell us about what the Lynn Homestead Project is. So what the Lynn Homestead Project is, it's going from not having the ability to work or be able to get out and make production for yourself, including with the, the government, how it is, um, and kind of just taking it to where you can make yourself fully sufficient of self-sufficiency. That makes sense. Um, so in other words, it's taking a person who has nothing and bringing them up to be able to provide for themselves. That's my, my goal. That's an awesome goal. I've been doing the homestead for a little over a decade now. And um, it, it's so much easier, better and simpler life is um, out here on the farm. And so I couldn't what, disagree with you. <laughs> where are you at now with um with your your are you still in the planning stages or are you um beginning to enact things or so uh so far the, with the planning stages um I've been kind of on and off working on them it makes it easier when you have someone to like kind of um push ideas against um to to kind of make it into what it is and it's it's gone from a few sectors of how it was and to how it is now um because it was at one point in time an idea to have a bunch of people on the land which ended up turning into a uh, communion so that didn't work um uh, so now it's kind of like trying to get the idea of giving the idea for people um while trying to find ways to build a house on that land. So in other words, there's going to be different kinds of houses built on this land. Um, and it's, it's not really houses, more like guest houses. So there's gonna be like one big house and then um, some guest houses thrown on the land along with the you know livestock and crops. Um, and then when those guest houses are built, um, I guess they're going to be turned into Airbnbs, but for the project, it's to show how to build a certain house when you buy the land. So in other words, if you want to buy or if you want to build a house within the, or excuse me, if you want to build the house within a, um, a hill and you want to dig in to, I don't know, uh, pick a hobbit home, then you'd be able to do that. Or if you want to have a home in the trees, there, you know, we've been talking about um, making uh, like tree houses for, you know, hunting and not only that, but like for people that like living up in the tree area, there's also, you know, uh, different kinds of like early colonial home or um, the uh, different kinds like uh, the earth bags. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an idea of how to make a home on a homestead at the same time of getting the way to, or getting your way to purchasing the items. So that's uh, so far as I've got, yeah. My, my first thought was a, um, was like a Viking village where you had the central long house and then all the houses around it. Um, you have to forgive me for that. I'm proud of my Viking heritage. <laughs> no, that's actually a really cool idea. Something I've never heard before. Um, doing the different types of homes. With, you mentioned the, the hobbit holes and the earth homes. And and I know there's so many different things from tiny houses. My 17-year-old son is working on. Building. So 
I bet you he's having a lot of fun with that. But and and then the idea of taking that and turning it into a business model of the Airbnb, I think is is a fantastic thing because one thing every person getting into this asks me is how do I make money from my homestead? So that is that is beautiful. I've never I've never thought about that. I've never heard of that before. There's a the thing is a lot of people are so stressing about like, oh, I buy land, but then I need to have a house on it. Well, I can spend $120,000 on it. No, no, don't spend $120,000 on a house. There are ways you can own your house. Like there is so many ways like to be able to extract a home for yourself, you know? And uh, because our mindsets are still in the luxury age, which is what we're at now, a lot of people think, oh, luxury, we need this, 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 this. No, you really don't need that. Those are just wants. Those are luxuries. That's what kind of has made our whole society evolve into something that needs to devolve. Because at this point in time, everybody's working, um, getting only half of their paychecks because 40%, 50% of income goes towards government. And then you're left with that. And then you go into retirement and you're taking social security disability or excuse me, you're taking social security income from that. And it's like, you were just setting yourself up for failure because you have to still pay into the system. Well, if you're homesteading, you already have built your home. You don't need a mortgage for that home. You don't need to pay towards that home. You can just go ahead and live in it without having to worry about people, uh, taking you like the bank taking you by the balls because you weren't able to pay your mortgage on time, you know? So it's, it's an idea of getting back to the pioneer age of thought process instead of just, you know, Oh, well, if I'm going to have a homestead, I should have like a really nice home in it. Well, you don't really need like a really big, nice home. You can make a small home and take what three, four acres and you have decent amount of a homestead and then some so sure i am a huge fan of i, I call it homesteading minimalism so it's not a minimalist lifestyle but it's having a minimalist mindset so one thing i tell people is i i could live comfortably on twenty thousand dollars a year or a little less and that blows people away um i've been unemployed technically unemployed since March. March will be one year since I tell everybody I retired. Um, I was fired from my job when COVID started and I just started making my money from home. And what I've learned is what I've learned is, is what I've always said, $20,000 a year, I can live comfortably. I have lived comfortably on not very much more than that over the past year. And that goes into this minimalist mindset i don't have to have the newest cell phone i don't have to have a new car my truck is 17 years old and i love my truck and exactly you shouldn't even need to go out and um for instance buying soap if you have a homestead you have the items right on your hands like if you have filtered water if you have the the barrel system where you are doing charcoal gravel sand um, then uh, another gravel pebbles. If you're doing the um, the raining filtering system, you have lard. If you have tallow or you know cows, you have lard. If you have pigs, um, and then all you need is there's lye with the ash soot. So you just take um, you just take up the ash soot and you uh, keep draining it and um, turning it into lye itself. You have your resources on the homestead already to make soap. You don't have to go out and buy soap. There's also um, different kinds of like uh, ingredients that you can use to make deodorant bars, you can make shampoo, conditioner, anything like shaving balms, uh, shaving uh, creams. Uh, so I've been, I've been working on those actually, but it's like there's so many things that you can use as resources on the farm that you don't even need, including for your chickens. Like uh, you want oyster shells for your chickens, just use their eggs, grind them up as much as possible so they don't see that they're eggshells and 
give them to your chickens. That's the resources are easy to keep on the farm and not have to buy out. So it's, you know, like having goldfish in the trough that keeps bacteria away from the horses that keeps bacteria away from pigs. If you use ACV um, with some of their foods, it helps with their digestive system. So, I mean, like there's so many things that you can make on a homestead and just keep in resources and it's, you don't need to use money to do it. Sure. And I tell people that homesteading is almost like hoarding, except everything we hoard, we can reuse five times. Exactly. <laughs> I have, I have old, old uh, cattle fences out there. I have old rolls of wire out there. And people come over and then and, and I get it. My cart, my yard kind of looks kind of trashy back over in my supply area, but I've used most of that at least four times. Your area. <laughs> I've used it at least four times already, and I'm probably going to use it four more times. And, uh, you know, it, it's all about recycling and repurposing everything that you can. So you're going to be selling soap soon. And that I am makes, crossing fingers. That I've, makes um, you my competitor, but I'm going to help you promote. I your, saw your website, and I I don't feel I can compete with you. But no, I will I will help promote you anyway because I I tell people all the time I don't care if you buy from me or if you buy from somebody else, but you have to use all natural soap. Get away from the detergents in the grocery store. Absolutely, and they, I actually found a recipe to do laundry detergent too, so that might be another one that comes up. Um, I did want, like, I've been doing trial and error, and I've been trying to get this uh, soap for the guys that follow me on Twitter, and it's uh, it's called Coffee on a Campfire. And so far, I've, I've gotten the, uh, the smell down, but when I did the CP processing, I don't want to show you guys because it's, uh, it's a little messed up. They... I guess I put too much in. This was my first trial and error of making CP soap. And I am uh, I'm ignorant enough to say that I did, did not go very well. So I can, you know, keep working at it, you know, because right. um, this is one of the one of the things that if you are trying to raise money for like a homestead and you're trying to buy land and you're trying to get back on your feet for this, if you actually know things that you can use on a homestead and do it beforehand two birds one stone because i'm gonna have to learn how to make soap on homestead including without electricity at times because of the point you know if you're working and stuff and you need to um, try and get product out but the thing is i'm uh i plan on hopefully working on more soap um, to try, well, that's my whole goal is trying to get more soap to come out. And, um, I'm going to try and work on that coffee on a campfire again, but I think that, um, I have also melt and pours that I plan on selling. Um, and that, that one's going to come out a lot quicker than the, uh, the cold processing, because that'll take about four to six weeks yep. from what I'm reading. So, um, which, by the way, I want to credit uh, Bearded Fisherman. He's the guy who I was, who actually gave me the inspiration of thinking of doing soap. Because he had talked, it was like a four or five months ago or something, he was talking about doing uh, bear soap. And I just thought that was so curious. Like, I've never heard of bear soap. And uh, I, he told me all about it and I saw the pictures. I was so fascinated and I thought, wow, this is a really good idea. Maybe I should try and use this to see if I can um, get uh, to acclaim money and raise money for the uh, homestead project. And uh, so I, I told him, I was like, thank you for the idea, you know, because it's uh, it was actually my one epitome, you know, light bulb moment when I had uh, seen that. So. Now, my wife and I, when we started five years ago, we started with hot process soap and then moved our way into cold process. And learning the hot process made it so much simpler when we moved into cold process. Because, really? And, and and the turnaround being this hot process soap is ready to use in 24 hours versus four to six weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, I might try that. 
and and just get, all you need is a crock pot dedicated to soap and a, a hand mixer dedicated to soap and, and just go from there and uh, that was fun we, we've been doing soap and stuff for for almost six years now um i can send you i can send you a great laundry detergent both liquid and powder recipe um i, I have I won't, I won't send you too much because I'm actually creating a homestead cookbook and instead of food. I don't want to take any of your ideas. No, I'll share, I will, I'll share I will laundry accept detergent. what I can. Laundry detergent is super simple and, and it's it's water, it's um, soap. It, it's, it's really water and soap and baking powder and washing soda. And, uh, you know, all those, when you mix them together with hot boiling water, sit them in a five gallon bucket for 24 hours it it gelatinizes on top and it okay. liquefies on bottom so every time you use it you have to shake up the canister or stir it up or whatever and get get it all mixed back together but it's just like a liquid laundry detergent but it's oh nice but it's all natural ingredients so that that is you see that's the kind of stuff i'm looking for like i was uh i was on Pinterest. Pinterest is like one of my saviors of this project because I'm getting most of my ideas from there too. Right. Um, aside from the ideas that do end, end up popping in my head, the innovative ideas that I haven't quite, I have given some ideas, but not completely. Um, now, Pinterest is, like I said, has been helping me out for it, but it's, there's like, so many different kinds of things that I've found on Pinterest to like do soaps and do shaving creams. And, you know, I've had people asking for different things and I'm like, I'll do it. it as long as you guys are down for it, you know, so. This is um, our shaving bar. And if you ever use it, you'll never use anything else. I might have to try one of those then. Because <laughs> we have, uh, we have ladies in Canada who buy it because of how bad the winter is up there their skin oh, does yeah. not dry out they do not have to use lotion really and it is okay all, well then it is try all, it out. it's all my wife uses now too so like i have to keep extra oh. just just for her what were the essential oils used in it uh i have to pull up my let me do it on my phone i have my recipe book I mean, the, the main essential oil is peppermint. Like, that's the scent you're going to get from it. Oh, okay. So it's like a peppermint smell? Nice. It is. And but how we did it is there's an extra fat used to it. It's, it's a different oh, you're super fatting. It, I'm super fatting, but I'm using a slightly different different process. Okay. So it uh, it's, it's, I don't know. It's really hard to describe. My wife could do it, but I don't use it. I don't shave, so but uh my wife absolutely loves it and uh i have two three four ladies that i know of that buys it for me regularly nice yeah i've uh, i had some of the guys uh on uh, twitter say like hey you should make some uh shaving cream you know like the old school kind of shaving cream and so i've been looking into you know finding um cheaper ways of because I don't want to I don't want to like buy a bunch of items and then like double price them for people to buy it's just right. wrong you know? like I'm, I'm making these items because I first off I'm not coming to you saying you should give me money okay I am giving you something that I am trying to claim towards it and earning like I'm I'm not just going to ask for money I'm going to try and earn it myself because honestly like that is who I am. That's who I've been all my life. I used to work a bunch of jobs. I would try, I actually worked two jobs at one time when I was in North Carolina. Um, back when I was 20, 21, tried moving down there again. Um, anyways, it's like, I love working, but because of my medical issues, because I've been dealing with, um, some people already know about it. Um, I've had brain cancer for about 26 years of my 33 years of my life. So I got it when I was seven years old. Um, my whole left uh, side of my body is numb because of hemiparesis. I had, um, I had brain surgery done on my head on my right side. So, and it corresponds to the left side. 
Um, so it's kind of like I, I can't work. I can work as hard as I can, but they find out I have, you know, brain cancer and hemiparesis from this. I always end up getting fired. They find a way, like they find the little smallest things and then they, they end up like kicking me out. Why? Because it skyrockets the insurance double. Right. So when they hear, oh, there's a cancer patient working for us immediately in their minds, they're thinking that's going to cost a lot more than they're probably worth because what's their experience? Oh, they've had, you know, retail experience. All right. Well, I don't think that's worth the insurance skyrocketing. So, and it's because of the ADA 1991, um, the discrimination laws, uh, honestly, they are what harmed the discrimination laws are what harmed people with me like this that have uh, disabilities, you know? I can't go to a job and work because they can give an excuse for it. So I am, uh, that's honestly why I started working this, um, this, uh, this project, because once you've tried to work in the system, you know, work with government, hey, I'll work a job and they don't even want you, that's the point in time where you're like, you know what, screw it, I'm done. I'm going to go and try and work on my own. I'll be my own boss. No one can fire me. I can work on my own land. And then, you know, and I think you already have the idea of what I want to do with the land. Aside from the houses, um, I want the land to be uh, paleo-friendly. And I, I know a lot of people don't know what paleo is, but paleo is mainly... Um, like a caveman diet of eating uh, meat, vegetables, and um, keeping out sugar and carbs. Even though, you know, I'm of course going to try and get around that by eating stuff like einkorn bread or um, ghee, using ghee is another thing, or uh, Kerrygold butter is, uh, is a paleo-friendly butter that you can use. Um, as long as you have a Jersey cow, the, the milk is okay. Um, as long as it's the A2 casein, you know? And so like, I'm, I want to make this, this homestead paleo because a lot of people don't have a paleo farm to go to and they feel kind of like me, like I'm, I kind of want to go to a farm and, you know, purchase items, but I'm scared of what to purchase, you know? So, uh, you know, it makes it easier to be able to have a farm that has all of your manic abilities available. For instance, like maple sugar, uh, doing maple syrup, turning it into maple sugar, doing honey sugar. You can turn honey uh, syrup into, you can dehydrate it into a powder and make it into a sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, so many uh, alternatives that can help people with their digestive system and the in their gastrointestinal system, because that's what a paleo diet is. It's to help your gastrointestinal system from having issues like leaky gut, having issues like uh, um, IBS. If you have any of those, like if you have Crohn's, a lot of people end up going on paleo because of it helps with their system. Yeah, I and, actually, I actually have IBS my whole, my whole life. My wife was diagnosed with Crohn's three years ago. And it's painful. It's painful. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because my system does not, it does not accept A1 milk. Like it, it, my digestive system ends up messing up. Um, it won't accept um, any bread that's, you know, hybridized because einkorn bread is two genes versus uh, the regular white bread you eat is six genes. So um, the einkorn bread is exactly the same thing as white bread, except it has less genes. Um, so it's not as uh, as hybridized as um, a regular einkorn bread loaf. So the same thing as white bread, though, honestly. So it's uh, and it's also something that's not grown or, you know, Jovial is the only monopolized company that I know has einkorn um, flour. So hmm. that's a good reason to have this homestead is to be able to grow einkorn flour too. 
I actually grow. I started growing rye this year, so that I could um, make rye bread, <laughs> make a homemade rye bread. But uh, yeah, Sounds we have delicious. we have the grinder and everything already because we already grind chicken feed for the chickens and and try to do a homemade a homemade feed. I mean, we still have to substitute with a grinder. I mean, and we have the old school manual grinder, so you know. Power power goes out. We're still good. I'm looking to get one of those. And uh, I know y'all have snow and ice that you have to worry about power going out in the winter, and then ours is in the summer with the hurricanes rolling through. And and uh, I miss the hurricane so much. Honestly, I I know I'm a, a weird ch child from this, but I used to um, I was raised in North Carolina, and uh, hurricanes were our snow days. Right. So when it was like what the middle of fall and we'd start putting up the boards and screwing them on and uh sitting in the house just waiting for the hurricane to come around you know give us a week of time off or go to raleigh or durham in a hotel of, what part of north carolina are you from i'm from uh, hampstead which is like 30 minutes north of wilmington mm-hmm so uh, Hollywood East, as they call it, it's where Iron Man 3, you know, Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek. Oh, yeah. All of that was filmed there. I'm, 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 I was born in Greensboro, raised in High Point Trinity area, North Carolina. So. You're a North Carolinian. Very am, nice. Me and my wife and two, two of my three kids. <sighs> See, I, I love... North Carolina and the people there to the point of where um, one of my exes and I, I took him down there and I was like, look, you're going to realize the difference between Northerners and Southerners. And so like the first day there, he's like, I don't see a difference, but like five days in, he's like, there is a difference. There's a huge difference mm -hmm. of how people act, you know, in, in North Carolina, you can wave at someone while they're in their truck and they wave back at you um if you're in michigan and you do that you get mean mugged mm -hmm. I've mugged so many times up here like do not and when you're in michigan do not wait if you are a girl do not wave to a couple mm -mm. no because that that will cause marital issues with them because immediately the girls can be like who is that so it's it's just and better see, not. And seeing down south here, we we hug each other. So. <laughs> and I miss that so much. I miss that so much. It's, it's, I, I miss the hospitality and the 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 humanism that comes with being a southerner. So you you went north. We we went further south. We came down to the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Look, I I was I was dragged south, or excuse me, I was dragged north. I was willing to go south. I was dragged north, and then I've been trying to escape from the north numerous times. This is going to be like my fourth attempt with this project. So I'm working on it. You know, the land's pretty cheap in Mississippi. <clears throat> I keep I keep trying to bring people into Mississippi. I got I got uh, Ian Burnham and his wife down here already. So like they fled they fled Canada. So. Mm. See, I, I was reading up on um, lands in Mississippi, Iowa, and Kansas. I was getting really close to Kansas, thinking about it because of the fact of um, the prices there. And then I saw Tennessee, and I know my parents or my family members that like to go down to Tennessee like to go to Gatlinburg. So if I were to live in the Tennessee area, I'd be more acceptable to live there because, you know, um, my my dad and my stepmom have currently been helping me with my my daughter because I I can't I can't provide for her for myself and I haven't been able to because of the fact that every job I work at I I can't hold on to right. because of my medical issues so they've been helping me out with her and um my like my end goal is to be able to get a place in Tennessee and. Uh, have land and then be able to you know bring my daughter and my mother to live there that's like the the major end goal but it's it's kind of like you have to work towards that to get there so right 
Uh, one thing with what you're doing is uh, you have to look at your your building codes and your zoning and you know in, in Mississippi what you're wanting to do with the houses like you don't need permits or coding as long as you keep them under 900 square feet each. Really? So uh, as I told you, my son he's building a tiny home right now, and me and my wife are considering it as our kids are getting older and moving out one by one. Um, downsizing. We live in a 1500 square foot house now but we're looking at buying more land and moving, okay. moving the farm over and i told her i was like if, you know we can do a 900 square foot house and it's by state law a tiny house so we're, we're we're going that route too because then you bypass the permits and the codes and then you can build what you want and how you want it mississippi's really lax with that um, north carolina is good too with um if you build a structure primitively you don't need permits or coding or anything like that really for north carolina for north carolina if you build primitively you can't use saws and drills and or like you have uh -huh. to build primitively but uh i know a guy up in the mountains that he has built an entire huge homestead huge barns he learned from the amish how the amish build and he's okay. built that way and yeah, he's never had a permit or nothing for anything he's got. You know, I heard there is a uh, there, and this wouldn't be considered it, but there is a uh, a nail gun that has wooden nails. I've seen it, and I was like, that is that is definitely something I would use to make a homestead. Because if you have a nail gun that shoots wooden nails instead of you know regular nails, that's all more to keeping it on natural. Absolutely. So one thing I would tell you and, and any of my listeners that, that's that's looking into doing this, this is from five years experience. Don't listen to what anybody tells you they won't. I love I have, that advice. It's great. I have a pile of candles that, oh, yeah, we want this. We want this. We'll buy this. They've never been bought. Um, I have a stack of soap, scented soap that no one's ever bought. And uh, they, these are special request items. But we've been doing this for five years now. Um, the best way, internet's great, Twitter's great, website's great. My website barely pays for itself. I make most of my money in local feed shops. That's where. So, so you take the soap to local shops? Yes. I was looking at that. And I was looking at doing that and thinking, um, trying to, I was looking online and seeing if there were any uh, soap shops around here that would do that. So I'm with, across my fingers if I can get some soap together to with, do that. Whatever they got in Michigan, whether, you know, down here we have uh, Southern Estates, which is a feed store. Um, any mom and pop local feed store you can find, put, put it in feed store because feed stores will bring in the people that won't be homemade the handmade the all natural those are generally the people that are in there right um i sell most of my honey in feed stores you know, okay I, I put it in a jar myself and i slap a label on it myself and that's what everybody likes is the local the local scene another thing to look into for you is uh farmers markets or um flea markets too i've sold at both of those and then we have we have what's called a mercantile down here every two week every other weekend they're open and it's basically an indoor flea market of all handmade local handmade stuff oh nice and uh, so options like that bring in way more money than being online because online you're you're competing with amazon and you're competing with walmart and bed bath and, and yankee candle and that's true because i was uh i was on reddit and um I did uh I did end up uh getting a purchase for soaps, but on Reddit it's it's a lot harder, including when you have the um how do I say this nicely? The people that have a broom stuck up their ass mm -hmm. on how to make soap and the the particulars about it. You know, there's those people that will, you know, be the judgy judges. They're right. like, oh, that's soap. How did you do it again? And then they'll ridicule you for every process right. that you. 
Yeah, I, I left Reddit back when they re reformatted the website. I was like, all right, we're done. <laughs> so it's, I, I kind of, but at the same time, it, Reddit has helped in a way to kind of get the the soaps out there. And they, you know, I had someone come in. Uh, he was like, hey, I want to buy like three or five soaps. And I'm like, okay. So Reddit did help in a way, but um, I definitely want to check out uh, the soaps, uh, like this, the um, the places that can, you know, like mom and pop shops that can soap or even try, I doubt it, but like Tractor Supply, I'm guessing, or try yeah, like tractor a- Tractor Supply won't. I didn't think so. Yeah, because they, 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 they buy theirs from suppliers. Which uh, yeah. I just got my LLC formatted this past year, this past October. So I'm gonna hmm. try. I'm gonna try Tractor Supply again. So now I'm a now I'm a corporated entity. So they can okay. So they can accept it now. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's that was um, my thought too. I didn't think that they would because of the fact it's a it's a franchise and that they uh, they have specific items that they have to sell. Yep, and and I'm about to get my soaps and candles on Walmart.com. So, in Walmart. Yep, Walmart. Well, on Walmart's website, not in the stores. So, congratulations. Is, That's great. It is five years in the making. So there, there is, you, there, there is always something to build for and work for. And you know, five years ago when we started, we, you know, my wife and I got screwed over by a lot of out of a lot of money by a young couple who just opened their own feed shop that was their dream to have their feed shop and we worked out a deal where i didn't charge them for material i come in once a week into the inventory and i charged them for whatever was missing from the shelf mm -hmm. and um just long story short they started claiming oh we didn't sell it must have got stolen you know just oh weekly it was like that so several hundred dollars later and oh. uh the smith homestead kind of crashed and burned for about a year like all my money was sunk into this and gone you know, there are some people that are just. They're, they're out there and they're more than you think. And uh, so that's one thing that uh, I like to do. And that's why I like talking to people like you or I had Jacob on who's starting his homestead. Is, here, uh, here. I can kind of, I like to hear what you are doing and I like my listeners to hear what you're doing. And I like to be able to give my advice too, because I've been here already. And I've been screwed over already, and I don't want to see anybody else get screwed over. And oh, so my my screw over was um, last year in November, and uh, this this guy first, and I should have I should known better. This was on me. This is full fully on me, uh, complete one hundred percent retard at that point in time. Um, I had been offered. Well, first off, I was offered a uh, sugar daddy mm -hmm. by this guy named Barry Wolf. And then I told him I'm not into that. So what did he offer? He offered a job. My first weakness. You come to a woman who is damaged, who wants a job so bad that she will take a job from a person online. And I did. And that ended up in $1,500 in the negative. So my account still at that point because i i trusted in a, a person online telling me uh about you know uh helping him because like being an assistant to him and helping right. him transfer money and i that is where my account ended up getting negative 1500 so i'm uh i uh i learned my lesson on that one <laughs> there, there and there are really good people oh, let me know there are really good people online too at the same time and uh, oh absolutely you know uh jeff putnam of forget legacy it's one of my best oh, yeah. friends now i've been to his house a couple times and oh, nice. i've worked out with him at 4 45 the man really does get up that early to, to do it i've seen it 3 45 in the morning he gets up he, he does it's not to I've, both of you guys by the way I've, I've been there with him in person and he almost killed me that day but you know he does <laughs> and uh you know, there's good people and there's bad people, and there's good whether it's online or offline, they're everywhere. Um, you know, honestly, with Twitter, I can say 
that the people that are my followers and the people that I follow myself, that I talk to on a regular basis, like you, Homestead Padre, Jacob, Kyle, um, the uh, nobody, which that's his name. Uh, there's so many other people that, you know, I, including uh, Voluntary as mine, sir Yasmin, uh, one of the girls on there. I, I chat with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, there's, it's funny how it ends up, you know? It really is. I, I, when I got on Twitter almost three years ago, I never thought I would make friends. Friends to the point that, you know, the hurricanes had a roll through last year. Mm. Just completely tore my farm up. I lost all my buildings. I lost my greenhouse. I lost everything I've done. Twitter donated. I think it, I think the end total was like $3,200 to me on a Patreon to my family. And we were able to rebuild and, and I was overwhelmed by the, by the generosity from that. Just, you know, just random. Some people I've never even spoken to on Twitter, but apparently follow me. There are some people that are human beings that actually do help. And I, my heart just floors and soars for them because of how it ends up being, you know, like it's, it shows that there is, that there are people online that want to help, that want to do good, you know, and that kind of socks it to the social welfare people. Well, there are people that want to help us, you know, so we need social welfare. No, there are actually people that want to give, want to help. They have charities. There's a reason why. Sure. Because people want to help. You know, Twitter donated 146 Bibles to my to my church's food. I saw that. Congratulations. Uh, That was a great feat. A year ago, four hundred dollars was donated from Twitter to my food pantry. Bought groceries for the food pantry. Um, so what what makes Twitter so much better than Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else is you can really cultivate your circles and create around you the kind of people that you want to create around you exactly and and i've i've made so many connections on twitter that have gone into the real world there's only one connection i've ever made that was and even it it wasn't a regret it just wasn't what i I expected you know what i mean but everybody else has been pretty much what you expect them to be i'm uh i i can i can get that i'm an i'm an oddity sometimes so like my sense of humor you have to forgive me my sense of humor is my father's so I have a dark sense of humor like I I never had a chance but it was immediately indebted that's how I will that is my sense of humor it's going to be dark deadpan and slapstick I I I was I was a soldier in the army and a first responder I have a very dark sense of humor (laughs) that's uh that's how you you get through some things you know you you would so everybody knows me for one or two things it's either homesteading or it's christian content sorry had a bug flying around content or christian but there's such a dark side of me like (laughs) y'all don't even know the stuff that i type out and then delete the whole thing without ever sending it. That is me. That is me almost every time. And I, you remember that tweet I just sent uh, about a day or so ago talking about like how it's better to listen than to speak. Yeah. That's because I was about to tweet some stupid stuff and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Delete it, delete it, delete it. <laughs> so I get that. I have, to, I have to remove myself from things. I'm like, like I'll read something. I'm like, I gotta. I'm heavily opinionated on this topic, and I'll like type something out, and no, I'm just gonna delete it, or I'll, <laughs> I'll quote tweet and I'll write it out, and I'll type out a whole thread. It'll be six, seven, eight tweets long, and then I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just. It's not worth it. It it, it, it helps to like get it out because now it's out of your head, but then you just delete it and and, and be good. That's true. So it's it's fun, but. Yeah, no, my I have a very dark sense of humor, and I, I can, I can go places I shouldn't as a Christian. <laughs> well, it seems that I, our Twitter friends have the same sense of dark humor, so we're good on that. I actually have, uh, you know, meowing Hobbs on Twitter. Say it again. Meowing Hobbs. 
That sounds familiar. He's in he's in Canada. He's in British Columbia, Canada. His, his picture is okay. a, a cat. This is his profile picture. I think I've seen that. I call upon him. I, I I invoke him when I have a thought that I shouldn't express. Like, <laughs> I will tweet at me on Hobbs help. And he will come in and he will reply exactly what I was thinking almost every time. <laughs> he, I, I invoke him. He is my filter on Twitter. <laughs> I need you to translate for me. <laughs> he is. It's so good. But no, I, I love it. It's a lot of fun. And uh, met a lot of great people and sold a few books and made some great connections. And it's, There are some amazing people on Twitter. There are. Um, I'm, you know, I, uh, when I first, there's only a couple people who like know my true handles of what my names were before this profile, but <clears throat> there was a time where I had another, um, profile. I had deleted it, uh, but I was talking to libertarians. I was trying to get a, a point out across and, um, it, it crossed some people and they, they got the idea, but other people didn't really they didn't catch the idea so it was like i completely deleted that profile and just started new so yep. politics <laughs> is something i've done my very best to ignore i, I now have my weekly political tweet every saturday <laughs> i can't help myself every I've saturday i'm like there's my weekly political tweet. <laughs> give my opinion on something and i'll leave it leave all politics alone the rest of the week i'll oh, see i uh the guy I dated for like five years, he's he's still a friend of mine and he still sends me, you know, libertarian tweets of Mises. But uh, he uh, he taught me everything I know about libertarianism, about being an independent and also about um, the economy and economics. So it's it's I, I have enjoyment when I get to say stuff like money printer go brr, you know that point in time but uh you know i i've been working uh i worked with him for like five years on uh learning about politics and then after that you know i've tried to get myself to stop but it's uh kind of just like comes up firsthand like immediately in my head and immediately types out so <laughs> so you, you wasn't um A libertarian redhead or redheaded libertarian? That wasn't one of your old accounts, was it? I was, um, all right, I'll admit this and then I'm going to get another drink. But I was, uh, considered gingertarian. Well, the reason I asked was there was a, uh, a profile that I used to follow that I haven't seen in a long time. I think right. it was, I think it was libertarian. I think Libertarian Redhead was the name of the, the account. Uh, the Libertarian Redhead, that is Lisa. I uh, I talked with her um, in the past. I, I'm pretty sure that's the one you're talking about, Redhead Libertarian. She's, uh, we had uh, chatted in the past, um, but it's more like the, uh, I had a, I had a few handles, but the the one handle that people knew me from was Gingertarian, eighty seven. So, and if you, I'm not um, remember that. Yeah, because it ended up on Libertitties page somehow because you know libertarians like taxing, so they tax pictures, and my picture ended up uh, on uh, the Libertitties page because. I was making a comment on how boobs do not tell you anything about the government. They don't tell you anything about uh, your knowledge of what you know. It just, they're, they're just boobs, really, honestly. They don't, they don't say anything. They literally don't talk to you. So it's like, what is the point of putting boobs on there and saying, free me? You know, it's, it's just like, it sounds more like attention. That's what I hear. I'm sorry, uh, OF fans and OF people. I apologize. You don't like my input on it, but it I, I can't I can't change my input. That's how I think. It's just they're boobs. That's it. That's it. There's nothing to it. 
So I ended up getting my boobs set up on uh, Libertities. Thanks, guys. It's one step away from a Libertarian OnlyFans. I swear. Why do you think I went all the way from a big L to an independent? I, I switched hardcore because of the fact I saw all Libertarians and I'm like, huh. Okay, so that's how they think now. It's not about Mises. It's about titus. So now we're just focusing on boobs and ass, and we're not focusing on the progress of trying to kill the Federal Reserve and the IRS that are unconstitutional loopholes. But hey, no matter, I'm drinking wine anyways. <laughs> oh. I had something right down here. I've done scribbled all over my notes. So you you said something about joining or creating a paleo restaurant, didn't you? The one that you I was talking to? Yeah, we were talking about a paleo restaurant. So Yeah, that's why I want you to move to Mississippi. Just come down here and start that. And you know what? If I uh if I am down, um I plan on getting to Tennessee. So as soon as I get down there. I will have the ability to give you, okay, I have a, I'll, I'll give you a few of my ideas. I was thinking of getting mangalitsa pigs and getting uh, olive egger chickens and then making a pack called green eggs and ham because like that is like one of the best approaches, like a mangalitsa pig and then having olive egger eggs you have green eggs that are speckled, and then you have ham. Hmm. So it's like green eggs and ham. It's like one of the best. But um, I was thinking of like, you know, other things like pop, uh, what is it? Uh, honey of the poppy, kind of like milk of the poppy. Right. It's, but it's poppy, um, poppy flowers with honey instead. So the bees use the poppy flowers for the honey instead. So it's little little small things that I, I make to amuse myself for this project at the same time. Yeah, it's like uh, azalea bushes. The uh, nectar in the flower is toxic. Mm. And uh, honeybees, if they make honey straight from the nectar of an azalea plant or any plant in that family, it's called red honey. And um, it 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 will it will send you on a lucid trip. And so hey, well then, I guess I'll sh I should change change in the uh, poppy seeds for azalea. <laughs> funny story is, um, in ancient times, Alexander the Great was marching his armies across uh, Asia, and somewhere in modern day Turkey, they attacked the village. And they took everything in the village, including the food and the honey. Mm -hmm. And this village specifically cultivated this red honey. So all of Alexander's troops just gorged on this red honey. And history writes that the army remembers nothing for three days. <laughs> like you just just send, them, send the entire army on an acid trip, basically. Okay, so you're telling this to a, a history major, someone who who majored in history. Alexander the Great was supposed to be one of my ancestors. And I I like I know everything about him except for that one detail I've never known. Like I know he's beaten 18 uh he's been in 18 battles that he won every single one of them. He died when he was 32, but the fact that there was red honey that he had found, that one I am elusive on. I can okay, you're not uh, telling me more about that. I will I will find you the uh, information on that it is it is it is common knowledge in the beekeeping world like it, it is something that all beekeepers know about i am ignorant to that one it's uh it went i said turkey it went, i don't yeah, think so. it was i don't think it was in turkey uh there's a village in the himalayan mountains to this day they still harvest red honey um have been Ooh. since ancient times but uh, i'll find the let me write that down so i don't forget it I would love that. Thank you. I have a book called the Beekeeper's Bible. 
If you ever get into beekeeping, that is the book. I think it might be in that book. Okay. The beekeepers Bible. I'll have to check it out. I got a. Uh, I got beeswax alchemy. I don't think I've read that one. Uh, so I um I was on Amazon. I had to grab a couple books uh for the um you know to try and make soap, and I also have beeswax too. So. I, uh, I've been uh, reading up on the beeswax alchemy and it has lip balms, deodorants, salves, different things that you can use um, along with beeswax, uh, excuse me, beeswax decorants that have scents to it too. So. Yeah, here's the, the beekeeper's Bible. Let's see. Oh, I think I've seen that. Okay, so yes, I've seen that on Amazon. I need to, to grab that one too next because I've, uh, hold on. Okay, now it's my turn. I'll be right back. Yeah, the entire front section is, is a history lesson. I know you guys have heard me say it before, but beekeeping is a must homestead. All right. Sorry, I'm a featherweight to drinking, so I ran downstairs. Whew. This is what I have. Beeswax okay. alchemy. Yeah, the... Yeah. Uh, the the, bees, the beekeeper's Bible is... Um, like it's, it's broken up in sections. One section is history of beekeeping from the ancient world to, to today. Uh, the next section is understanding the, you know, learning how the, the, the beehive works, the different parts, the different, the workers, the queens, the drones, the, the brood. Okay. Um, practical beekeeping is another section that just tells you how to be a beekeeper. It really gives you the tips and tricks. Um, and then the last two sections of the book are, are dedicated to honey and beeswax and what you can make out of them from recipes to crafts to everything else. So it, it is a oh, nice. phenomenal book. It's not a cheap book. I think it's like 30 bucks or something, but it sounds like it's worth it. It was, it was gifted to me as a Christmas present two years ago. So I've loved that book ever since. It sounds like a book I would read. Definitely. Because like I, uh, I'm a history major. I love history. So Finding out anything about the past like that is like my thing. I would definitely love reading that. So I'll have to buy it. I almost did history. My, my major is in theology. Mm. I, begin, I, uh, I begin my master's degree in the fall for uh, marriage and family counseling. Oh, nice. I, um, I was going for secondary education in history to be a teacher at mm -hmm. one point because uh, since seventh grade, I've loved Greek mythology. It's, it's, it's been in my blood. Like I love researching it, looking it up. I have so many books downstairs. It's embarrassing on how many books I have, uh, but I am all about learning about mythology too. Um, and uh, so I think it was like back in, 11th grade, 10th grade, I had my teacher come up to me and ask me, um, hey, did you, uh, he said to me, so I know that you like to, uh, you you know a lot about um, Greek mythology. And then he said, you probably know more about it than I do. And then he asked me if I wanted to teach the class. And I was like, of course I do, you know? And if you can teach in front of your peers, you can teach in front of anyone, right? So, that was the incentive of me that I wanted to, I wanted to, to teach, to um, be able to educate people in history. And uh, because of my inability for math, it's my worst subject. I can't do math. Like I can do the, the minimal amount that is needed for like making soap and stuff, but that's it. 
you can't get me on anything else. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good at math, but I absolutely hate it. I hate it. I will avoid it. Hate it. I hate it. I can't even do it. I can't even do it myself. So that's why I had all but one credit towards my secondary education degree, and it was the math. So we had uh, you're, you're. I'm jealous. In ninth grade, <laughs> I I failed um, honors U.S. history because in the school system I was in, if you missed even one um, assignment, they could fail you regardless of your letter grade. See, I'm, I, I'm, I made my teacher look like an idiot when we did that. Because colonial America is my time period in history. I, I love colonial times. In, in high school, I was a reenactor. I was in the North Carolina Highland Regiment. And, you know, oh, yeah. if you ever went in any of the reenactments, at, I did Williamsburg, I did Guilford Courthouse, Camden, South Carolina. We did all those battles. Oh, so the he, closest I got to reenactment was probably the Azalea Festival. And I just wanted to wear one of the dresses they had because they're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I made him look dumb and I didn't mean to, but I corrected him. Oh, maybe, he needed. Maybe, maybe I should have corrected him in private, you know, a little more tact. Then I'm not known for tact. I'm very brash and blunt. I'm I'm an upfront, honest person, you know, and sometimes I should probably censor what I say, but it's what I say is out of good intent most times, um, unless you know you're trolling or being a douche online. Then I'm probably you know going against you, but it's it's not you know. It's it's more of be a human on the internet kind of thing. Like don't troll people. It's not cool, you know. Like treat people how you want to be treated. So it's if people are thinking in an absolute view, and they're not thinking relative, and then it, it just causes issues. So when, when you, it was fine. He ended up telling me, and I retook the class, and I took regular U.S. history because I didn't want to do all the writing assignments and honors class again. And I got stuck in Miss Fleetwood's class, and Miss Fleetwood's like the hottest teacher in the school, so it was okay. Everybody wanted out. to be in the hot, the hot math teacher's class. No, she was hot. She was the hot history teacher. She was. Young, I didn't have a 20s, hot history teacher. Young twenties, tall, blonde, legs that went to heaven. You know that. Now, see, there was a there was a teacher that we had. Um, she, it sounds like the exact same uh, description, except she wasn't history. She was uh, math. And she had gotten married. But before she got married, this one guy who was from high school came in. He's like, oh, I think her, her name was Miss Teal before she turned into Miss Jager or something like that. And um, he comes up to her in class and is like, Hey, Miss Teal, I ended up getting a tattoo of you. And he pulls down his pants and like right on his ass is like Miss Miss Teal before she got married. I'm like, <laughs> why is Belle though so ghetto? <laughs> I'm not gonna live up here. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> and I went to high school in Ashboro, so you know. She was very beautiful. She was very gorgeous, like blonde hair, beautiful blue eyes. So it's like you can expect that kind of stuff happening. Yeah, that was Miss Fleetwood. Like, you know, she would she finally realized boys were rolling pencils off of our desk just so she would bend over and pick them up for us. I guess it took her like half the semester to figure out what was going on. <laughs> it took her half the semester. Oh, no, that's not good. No, you so you would hear a pin hit the floor and like all the guys would look. Like somebody's done, hey. somebody's done the rest of the guys a favor. That is too funny. Yeah, good times out of my day. That was twenty years ago. <laughs> but uh, no, so well, we have we have passed on an hour, so we're going to wrap it up. Um, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Ideas you'd like to share? Questions for me? Um, all I can say is uh, thank you for watching. Um, continue to watch Homestead Padre and keep on uh, trucking, watching me and Lynn Homestead Project. And uh, uh, if you like, buy his soap, buy my soap, it doesn't matter. Um, and help 
us out in our uh, situations. He's seems to be doing great. And uh, it's, uh, I guess. And you are at Linwood Homestead. What, what's your project? So it's it's uh, Lynn Homestead Project. Lynn Homestead um, Project. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been on uh, I've been on Twitter. I'm on Facebook and Instagram now, um, getting verified, and then hopefully I'll get verified on Twitter here soon enough. Um, and then uh, hoping it uh, continues on. So. You you have a, a website or a card page or anything? Um, aside from Twitter, uh, if you just search for like an Instagram or on Facebook for Lynn Homestead Project, um, it should pop up. Um, my if you want to donate, uh, it would be on my Twitter, and I think I think it's Venmo that I have uh, up there for for the donations. So that is, uh, that's available. And um, I just want to thank everybody for watching. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of it because uh, this is my first time being on a podcast. So you did great. All right, everybody. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Lynn and we will talk to y'all later. As always, keep it growing.